You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning as we continue our series on uh, the book of Acts, or rather becoming the church as we walk through uh, this really great story. Uh, I had an amazing, as I was thinking about this sermon a couple weeks ago, I had an amazing lead-in because uh, we're talking about Peter and Paul and the importance of both rules and learning how to improvise within those rules. So like, you know, with football, I mean, it's Super Bowl Sunday. So I was going to talk about how it's important to know where the boundaries are, and, but also to play the game within the boundaries. It's important to have uh, uh, officials uh, who can uh, be in charge of the game, but also coaches and players who can improvise within what the officials are doing and, and how it's, it's good to be a patriot, but it's better to be a saint in the church. You know, it just, but that was, that was, that was the old lead into the sermon. So I can't, can't do that now. Um, it's too soon. I see it's too soon, too soon for all of you. I apologize. So in lieu of that, uh, fantastic lead in, uh, to the sermon, uh, let's just jump right in. So we have a lot of, we're reading a lot of the Bible today. Don't go anywhere. Um, we're reading from the book of Acts chapter 15. We're also reading Galatians chapter 2 and also parts of Romans chapter 14. And hopefully all these things will, will come together. It'll be on the screens and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Our first reading is from the book of Acts chapter 15 verses 12 through 21. And, and in Acts, what we will be reading uh, is the Jerusalem Council. So... Um, There's controversy of what to do with this Gentile mission. Paul has been planting churches uh, with the Gentiles and not calling for any of them to be circumcised. And that uh, got some of the Jewish leaders, the Jewish Christian leaders in Jerusalem, uh, uh, really hot under the collar. So uh, they had a Jerusalem council to gather and uh, figure out the problem. So this is where we are. Acts chapter 15, uh, the Jerusalem council says, The whole assembly kept silence. And listened to Barnabas and Paul as they told of the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, My brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first looked favorably on the Gentiles to take from among them a people for his name. This agrees with the words of the prophets as it is written, After this I will return... And I will rebuild the dwelling of David, which has fallen into ruins. I will rebuild it, and I will set it up, so that all other people may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles over whom my name has been called. Thus says the Lord, who has been making these things known for a long time, or from long ago. Therefore, I have reached the decision that we should not trouble these Gentiles who are turning to God. But we should write to them to abstain only from things polluted by idols, from fornication, from whatever has been strangled, and from blood. For in every city for generations past, Moses has had those who proclaimed him, for he has been read aloud every Sabbath in the synagogues. Our next reading is Galatians chapter 2. And the reason we're doing this reading here today is because this is Paul's own memory of the Jerusalem Council from Acts chapter 15. And you'll notice that Paul's memory 
a little bit different than the way that it was officially recorded in the minutes of the church council, I mean the Jerusalem council meeting. Okay, so this is Galatians chapter 2, Paul's own words about the Jerusalem council. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up in response to a revelation. Then I laid before them, though only in a private meeting, with the acknowledged leaders, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not compelled to be circumcised, though he was a Greek, But because of false believers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus so that they might enslave us, we did not submit to them even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might always remain with you. And from those who were supposed to be acknowledged leaders, what they actually were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those leaders contributed nothing to me. On the contrary, When they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel for the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter, making an apostle to the circumcised, also worked through me in sending me to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas, another word for Peter, another name for Peter, Cephas, when James and Cephas and John, who were acknowledged pillars, recognized the grace that had been given to me, they gave to Barnabas and me the right hand of fellowship agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They asked only one thing. They asked only one thing, that we remember the poor, which was actually what I was eager to do. Third reading for the day. So we have the Jerusalem Council from Acts chapter 15. We have Paul's own memory of the judicial council, judicial council, Jerusalem council, so Methodist of a Freudian slip there, the Jerusalem council, uh, Paul's own memory of the Jerusalem council. And now in Romans 14, we have Paul's application of the Jerusalem council. How does this play out in real time with real people? Romans 14, here we go. (coughs) Excuse me. Welcome those who are weak in faith but do not for the purpose but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions some believe in eating anything while the weak eat only vegetables those who eat must not despise those who abstain and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat for god has welcomed them who are you to pass judgment on the servants of others it is before their own lord that they stand or fall And they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Let us, therefore, no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead to never put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of another. I know and am persuaded in the Lord, Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. If your brother or sister is being injured by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Do not let what you eat cause the ruin of one for whom Christ died. So do not let your good be spoken of as evil. 
For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The one who thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and has human approval. Let us then pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but but it is wrong for you to make others fall by what you eat. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. The faith that you have, have as your own conviction before God. Blessed are those who have no reason to condemn themselves of what they approve. But those who have doubts are condemned if they eat because they do not act from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, a lot of Bible here this morning. Um, there was a controversy in the church, uh, Peter and Paul doing their thing. And uh, Paul got in some hot water uh, because he's doing this Gentile mission. But while he's doing this Gentile mission, he's telling people that they don't need to be circumcised. And Peter, who is really part of the Jerusalem church, a, a law-centric understanding of the gospel, is really bothered by this. Well, in Acts chapter 15, Peter says, well, I am called to the Gentiles too. I had this grand vision of Cornelius, and, and he did, though, though Paul, Paul doesn't seem to remember Peter's Gentile mission that he keeps lifting up uh, in praise. But nevertheless, nevertheless, there's a controversy, and uh, the, the Jerusalem churches, uh, specifically Peter and James um, and others uh, and John, are saying, well, we, we've, we've been doing circumcision, we've been having circum- circumcision for thousands of years, Moses told us to do it. Yes, of course you're being Christian, but you cannot be a Christian without being circumcised. Read your Bible. So Paul is doing a Gentile mission, and uh, he's not asking them to be circumcised. And it's not just about the circumcision. It is whether or not someone has to become Jewish in order to become Christian first. Peter was saying, yes, of course they do. And Paul's saying, no, of course they don't have to be, because we live by the Holy Spirit. We have Christ living within us. We don't, if we have to follow the law, then Christ died for nothing. So they bring this before James, who's the head of the church, traditionally understood as being Jesus' brother. James is the head of the church, and they ask him to, to solve this dispute for them. Strikingly, rarely in the book of Acts do they say, well, Jesus said, yada, yada, yada. Um, it's rare in the book of Acts. Um, what they end up doing time and time again in the book of Acts is discerning by the power of the Holy Spirit. So James says, I have discerned what we should do. He doesn't say Jesus says this is what we should do. Or Moses says, he goes, I have made a decision here based on the prophets, right? Keep in mind, when they read scripture in in the book of Acts, they're not reading the New Testament. There's no New Testament yet. They're reading the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures. So James says, I have decided, I have discerned what we are going to do. Yes, the Gentiles can be let into the church on four stipulations. Number one, they cannot be associated with anything polluted by idols. Remember that. Number one, polluted by idols. 
Number two, no fornication. Number three, do not eat anything that has been strangled. And number four, abstain from blood. Number four is easy. Ew. That's easy to follow. The rest of these become problematic. All right, so remember those stipulations, right? Uh, and then Peter and Paul, they, they kind of go about their way and it's fine. But then uh, Paul in Galatians seems to have a different memory of what happened at this Jerusalem council of Acts 15. Um, because he starts talking about one, Peter's called to the circumcised. I, Paul, am called to the uncircumcised. And, and, and you don't have to be circumcised in order to be a Christian. He talks about the truth of the gospel so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. And he even says, like, there are people at that meeting that weren't really leaders, but they were spies and they were sent in to tear down this whole thing. And Paul even says, they only asked one thing of me, to remember the poor. That's what Paul reports of the Jerusalem council. Now, does Paul have amnesia? Is he conveniently forgetting? It's, I liken it to this. You've been to church meetings before, haven't you? Well, in church meetings like church council, you have the approved, public, published church council meeting notes. You have the minutes of the meeting, right? And we vote on them, we pass them out, and when the gavel hits at the end of that meeting, that's the end of discussion. Right? No. It's never the end of the... When the gavel sounds, it's not the end of the discussion. You know, have you been to a meeting where we have the thing and we vote on the carpet or whatever? Let's say, let's say we're voting on the carpet. We want the carpet to be, to be blue. And we vote on it, and it's 51 to 49%. By the way, that is not a majority in the church. If you're voting on changing the color of the carpet and you only get 51% approval, go back to the drawing board. That is not a true consensus, okay? All you're doing is making 49% of the congregation real mad at you, right? So, let's, but let's say, just for fun, we vote to change the color of the carpet to blue. Gavel bangs, boom. And then, as people are leaving, the real meeting happens. You know this meeting, right? You're like, well, I mean, I, I like the blue carpet, but Lauren, I mean... We both like green, you know, it's, you know, and what are we going to do, you know? Or, you know, you're in the parking, you know the parking lot meetings, you know this. I, you know, I'm sitting in my car and there's still people huddled at their car. I'm like, the meeting ended 45 minutes ago. What, what could they possibly be talking about? So could it be, could it be that we have, we have this Jerusalem council, the, the, the Acts chapter 15, the official minutes of the Jerusalem council. But then Paul seems to suggest that he met with a small group. So it could have been, it could have been, we don't know this, we don't know this. Could have been James found Paul after the meeting and said, hey, all right, so four stipulations, right? Uh, no, nothing polluted by idols, uh, no fornication, uh, nothing strangled and no blood. But Paul, look, at the end of it all, stay in ministry with the poor. You're doing good work. At the end of it all, don't forget the poor. And this is what Paul seems to remember at the, the meeting after the meeting. It doesn't seem to jive well with it. That's a terrible. It doesn't seem to be in congruence with the official minutes of the Jerusalem council. 
So Paul has a bit of a different memory of what happened there. Nevertheless, and it'd be all fine, except Peter shows up. Peter shows up. And this is when Paul gets, Paul's in a bad mood when he wrote Galatians. He's not happy. Peter shows up and and Peter used to eat with them. Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. Until people from Jerusalem came and showed up. And Peter, once they came, the circumcision faction, as, as Paul calls them, once the circumcision faction showed up, Peter distanced himself from us so that he wouldn't be unclean, so they can sit at the popular kid table or whatever. And this, is, this, this offends Paul. This gets Paul hot under the collar. Because he said, I opposed Peter to his face. And I love this. This is remembered forever in Scripture. Like this kind of mean girl's moment between Paul and Peter. Paul, I opposed him to his face. How can you, you're, he is a hypocrite. Because you eat with the Gentiles, but then when the Jerusalem church folk come, you separate from us and you don't eat with us. So how can you, Peter, how can you convince a Gentile to live like a Jew when you are a Jew and you live like Gentiles? What the heck, man? Now I'm paraphrasing, but... It's like, what the heck? So Paul gets real hot under the collar on Peter's hypocrisy. And it's remembered forever in Galatians chapter 2. I posed him to his face for being a hypocrite. But then, then we have Romans 14, which is this practical application of, of uh, the Jerusalem Council. So there's a controversy, and I've preached on this before. I've talked about this before. There's a controversy uh, in the church of Rome. Some are eating meat sacrificed to idols, and some are not. And they asked Paul to um, come up with a decision. How do we save this? How do we get through this, right? So in short, Paul says, yes, you can eat this meat sacrificed to idols. We know these idols don't exist. But you can't eat this meat if it becomes a stumbling block to your brother or sister. You're You're no longer walking in love by doing that. Paul says something scandalous and striking. He says, I know that nothing is unclean in itself. He said, but it is unclean if you think it's unclean. I'm going to read that again. Because that's, 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 Paul, what are you getting at, man? I know that nothing is unclean in and of itself. But if you think it unclean, it is unclean. All right, so what is he getting at? What's the context? So in the Roman church, uh, there were folks who had spent a lifetime in the pagan temples. Um, and, and, and for them, in order to be a Christian, they had to have a great divorce from that life. They could not play a part of it. They had to go all in with this movement of Christ. And then those who were not familiar with the, 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 the pagan temple... They were, they were fine with going to... They didn't have Walmarts there. If you wanted a, a steak, you had to go to the temple uh, to get a steak. Uh, there were some in the church who were buying this meat and consuming this meat that was polluted by idols. Um, and they had no problem with it. But those who had spent a lifetime in the temple, they were really struggling with this. They knew that lifestyle. They could not be a part of it. So Paul, what are we supposed to do? Paul could have said, well, it says clearly... In the, in, the, in the Jerusalem council, that you cannot eat this meat, it is polluted by idols. 
Uh, but that's not what he says. Yes, you can, unless you shouldn't. And you shouldn't, unless you should. That's why Christianity is so hard. Yes, of course you can eat this meat. That's fine. These idols don't exist. They're not polluted by anything because the idols don't exist. But if your neighbor who has spent a lifetime in the temple, these pagan temples, sees you eating this meat, it might cause them to stumble. So maybe you should abstain. I like to put it this way. I love, love, love buffalo wings. I love them more than my own face. I love buffalo wings. I would eat them for every meal if I could. But then a couple of years ago, I did Weight Watchers. I said, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't think I should be eating all these buffalo wings anymore. That's a lot of points. I mean, you see how well I stuck to it. But that's, that's beside the point. So there was a time in my life where, where even if someone invited me to go to Wingstop, I'd say no. It's not because buffalo wings aren't good or it's somehow wrong to eat buffalo. I couldn't. Lead me not into temptation. We prayed every day. I couldn't do it. I've gotten over that. (laughs) But there was a time in my life where I needed a stark contrast and divorce to a previous lifestyle. That's what he's talking about. Can you eat can you eat buffalo wings? Yeah, sure. Unless you're with Matt Rawl who's trying to count his points and, and, and not you know, have a heart attack at 27. Right? Then don't. Like, don't even call him to go to Buffalo Wings because it's too much for him. He can't handle it. He's going to say yes and he shouldn't. Right? That's where it is. You know, or, you know, an, another way to think about it. Can you, can you give me some more water? <clears throat> another way to think about it is, is it okay uh, to have a glass of wine? Uh, sure, unless you're dining with someone for whom this is a, this is a, a stumbling block and, and something that's very difficult. You're no longer acting in Christian love anymore, right? This is what Paul's talking about. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food or for the sake of fill in the blank. He goes, we should be striving after that which is peaceful and that which is a mutual uplifting of the community. Paul even admits, I know that nothing is unclean in and of itself. But if you start judging them for abstaining from this meat, you're tearing down the body. Stop. Stop doing it. Is it okay to eat buffalo wings? <laughs> God, I hope so. So we can see this teaching of Gamaliel still at work that we talked about in the first week. Uh, If it is not of God, it will die. And if it is of God, you won't be able to overthrow it. This applies uh, in the following week when we're talking about Paul's conversion Um, uh, and and Paul's work in the church. Uh, Maybe this Gentile mission, we could see this teaching happening in this Gentile mission as well. Is this Gentile mission not being circumcised? Is it something that God can bless? Well, if it is not of God, it will die away. And if it is of God, you won't be able to overthrow it. And here we are 2,000 years later. Paul seemed to have a good argument there. So, may we be living for that which offers a mutual upbuilding. That's what I talked about, kindness, patient, love is, remember last week, love is patient, love is kind. 
Kind literally means to share good with one another that you have in common. So, for example, um, can you ask a vegan out to go to Buffalo Wild Wings? Like, maybe, but that's kind of rude. You know, they don't eat, they don't eat meat, you know. Uh, you know, they, they might invite you to the salad bar and you're like, I don't like salad. I'm, do, do I look like a goat? You know? So maybe, maybe uh, the work of what it looks like to be a Christian is for both of you to wind up at Jason's Deli because they got something for everybody. And you can, you can eat what is nourishing to you and filling to you. And you can share that with one another. Long and short of it is um, live with patience, live with kindness. If it is not of God, it will die away. And if it is of God, uh, you won't be able to overthrow it anyway. Can we eat meat sack? Yes, unless you can't. And you shouldn't. Uh, unless you should, for the good of the kingdom. Clear as mud? Excellent. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this day. Uh, and for uh, the, the saints of the church who will be at home and not in the game, that we pray for them as well. Father, pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Help us to be in a church that is your hands and feet, a church that strives after the mutual upbuilding for the good of the kingdom. Help us to find good things that we might share so that the world and your justice, your kindness, and your grace. So, Father, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us as we continue to worship your name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.